From Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a long career as an employed professional. When you're in one job, you should always be planning for your next job. Today on episode 111 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with the chief curiosity officer of Gale Now, Gail Robertson. After more than a decade in her job, there were signs that the job was going to end. Gail was proactive and was able to transition into her own consulting business. In this episode, Gail shares how she took control over her destiny. Stay with us to hear all the details. I believe everyone should have the opportunity to do what they love and get paid what they're worth. On my podcast, I've interviewed hundreds of successful entrepreneurs, many of whom run consulting or coaching businesses. And we've created a free ebook with 49 actionable steps from 49 of our popular episodes to help you smash the plateau in your business and your life. It includes tips to help you with your mindset, relationships, business development, and productivity. You can get your free copy of 49 Tips to Smash Your Plateau at smashingtheplateau.com slash tips. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash tips. Now let's welcome Gail Robertson. Gail has a degree in journalism and a master's in curiosity. After building a background working in media, fundraising, advertising, public relations, and even as the owner of a bed and breakfast on Pelee Island, Gail uses her diverse skills to build and grow brands that last a lifetime and beyond. As the owner of Gail Now, she is a powerhouse connector, strategic brand consultant, and keynote speaker. Gail has developed a niche in manufacturing marketing with a particular focus on mold making and automation. She's on the board of the Canadian Association of Mold Makers and works closely with its partner organization, Automate Canada. Gail was also nominated in the top three professional of the year of the Windsor Essex Chamber Business Excellence Awards. Gail, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you, David. What a great introduction. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, well, it's your introduction. It's about you. And I'm glad I'm, I'm glad that you like it. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you talk a little bit about your career and in particular, how you ended up transitioning into consulting? Well, I actually had no plans to be an entrepreneur. I was actually have had a great run in uh, quite a few different roles, as, as the bio indicated, different jobs that I loved. I had some great bosses along the way. And really, I transitioned from each career using transferable skills. And it was when a change came about with the last company that I worked at when they were selling to a larger international company. And I knew there was uh, going to be some changes. So I decided to get ahead of the curve and plan my exit strategy because I had also, it was a great company and great ownership. And I was able to uh, plan my transition for about a year before I even left so that I was able to, you know, walk into the entrepreneurship world with already a game plan well in place. So I'm actually very blessed when it comes to transitions. That's great. And um, did your employer know that you were planning your exit for a year? Yes, actually, I'm a great believer in communication that, you know, instead of trying to hide things like the writing was on the wall, I knew there was going to be change. So, again, I also, you know, it's important that you can read your audience and read the room. 
So I knew that I could go speak to my direct boss, who was also one of the owners. And I sat down and said, you know, here's the options. I know we talked about them selling. And so I could have left and given my notice or I could stay and we would work out an exit plan together. He liked that plan B. So what happened was I worked out a plan to make sure that my department was wrapped up and everything could run smoothly. And I said, I'll stay until, you know, basically a month after the sale. And that worked out, you know, quite well. And here's the other thing, David, that was interesting. In the midst of all this, they were doing an event with PGA Golf Canada at the time, and they needed some help. So I was actually doing some work at the same time, uh, starting my business as a side business while working at, at the company with their full approval and support. So I actually had, you know, uh, some groundwork laid before I even left. Yeah, that's really great. And I love the fact that you were straightforward with your direct supervisor, which gave you the runway to be able to create a plan where you could be open about it. And I know that for many people, there's a lot of fear associated with being totally open with your employer about your intentions after the employment situation has ended. And, you know, the reality is almost no one stays in a job forever. Right. So the, I think there's this false expectation that we're going to stay in our job and we can't talk to our employer about what comes next if what comes next is not part of the current employment relationship. You've nailed it there, David. That's exactly it, that, you know, there's no guarantee in any job. And I think a lot of times people maybe have grown up, you know, previously that was the case. You know, you had a job and it was a lot of times a job for life and things have been changing. I have a saying that uh, I don't know who coined this initially, but that, you know, listen for the train in the distance. Often we can hear the train in the distance. So you don't want to wait until you're facing the train and it's coming barreling towards you. So I've always believed that when I hear the train in the distance, start looking at what the options are. And I also heard one time someone talked about, you know, when you're in one job, you should always be planning for your next job. Like do the extra professional development, get yourself ready to possibly leave to the next job. Now, you may be finding a job in the company. You may be just improving your own skills in your current company, but professional development, learning and planning for what next should be part of any anyone's plans. And that you do that personally, professionally, always be thinking about what if. Now, I'm a great I'm a great believer in positivity and that I believe that, hey, I'm here. I'm going to be do the best possible job. But what happens if there isn't a job down the road or what happens if something has to change in any type of relationship in our life? You know, are you set up to look at uh, where to go next? Yeah, well said. So in your case, you had more than one job in your career. Why transition into self-employment? What what caused you to want to go that route? <laughs> yes, that was actually, that I was starting to look at some other jobs. And one of the things that held me back was I happened to have a most amazing boss for 11 years when I was at uh, this company, which the company was Cypher Systems Group, which is an amazing company that I have only good things to say about. And when I knew that I was going to have to go look at another job, I thought I probably am not going to find another boss like I had at that job for 11 years. He was someone who was probably the opposite of a micromanager. He gave me a lot of free reign, a lot of opportunity to, you know, make mistakes and grow from them. And as I started looking at other places, people said, you know, 
you're probably not going to get that situation again. And the more I looked at it and looked at what other people are doing, I thought that's true. And I was also at a place to go, you know, this, I have all of these skills I've learned. So why not use them for my own business? And, you know, I could take a year, give it a try. And what's the worst case scenario is that after a year, I decide to go find another job, which I knew that I could get another job. I wasn't concerned about that. And now I couldn't see not having my own business because so many doors have been opened. And it really is about taking sometimes taking those risks and stepping out into the unknown, which I get. It's not easy. It's daunting at times. And it's not always easy. And I've heard, you know, you've talked about this. Other guests on your show have talked about this. Entrepreneurship is not something that's like, oh, I get to work from home and it's just going to be easy and I can do what I want when I want. Yes, you can, but it it involves effort and getting process in place. And for me, setting up a schedule, I keep pretty much the same schedule. My workout schedule is still early morning. I'm still usually up at 5 a.m. Now I'm a morning person. So that's not like, it's not some martyr thing either. I like the morning. So it's, but having a schedule is so key. Yeah. Um, And this is not your first time running your own business. Right. I did run the bed and breakfast. Right. So that was a business entity that I ran on my, I ran as obviously there, that taught me uh, so many things. I, I often call, that's where I actually got my MBA because that's the equivalent of running your own business on an island where you have, you know, you have to rely on a ferry, you have to rely on booking gas into your bed and breakfast. I had to learn about ordering food, you know, inventory control, making sure that I needed to get a website. And I was uh, an early adopter or adapter, I guess, at, at that time, because a lot of people didn't have a website or even a toll-free number. I was one of the first to have a toll-free number, which was like, that was a big wow moment. And a lot of that involved me doing research and coming to the realization that these things that you do when you're taking those steps that are innovative, they can help set you apart from others. But at the same time, I also worked with others. I, I was on a committee of what was called Tourist Operators of Peely because it's really important to have competition. A lot of people fear competition. I embrace it because I don't want to necessarily take all comers. And it's important that we support others. And that I've continued to do even in my business now. I can't take on all the work. So I have people that I will call and say, hey, this would be a good client that you may want to work with. So that's the other thing is the the value of lifting other people up. And it's, again, it sounds, you know, a bit pie in the sky, but it, it is important to invest in other people because then it will always come back to you. 100% every time, whenever I've done something to help someone else, it always comes back to me. And I'm a big believer if we did more of that, <laughs> we would have uh, many more opportunities to share. Yeah, that's so true. And and you're right. Not that many people view competition with embrace the way you do. <laughs> yeah. And it's because like, I, I think everybody that's had their own business knows like you often don't want to have all clients and it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just I mean, it's like any in any relationship that we're building with people, we want to work with people that will lift us up, that bring us joy. And the reality is not everybody is going to do that. But that person may be the ideal client for someone else. So, again, it's it's about deciding how you want to run your business. Now, some people may want to say, hey, I'll take everybody that knocks at the door. Again, it depends. And we're all different. So you really have to decide how do you want to run your business? How do you want to 
you know, wake up each day. I love that I can wake up each day and I'm very happy working with, you know, my clients. And I have, I was just away on a little mini vacation, but I still did some work for my clients. And again, not a martyr syndrome. It's just that I can take time off all the time, like as needed. So I don't need to disconnect for a whole week or two weeks and turn off everything. In fact, that would probably give me a lot more stress. If I was to disconnect, that would just be not good for my <laughs> for my mental health. I need to stay connected. But it's finding that balance. I'm a great advocate for balance. Balance in work, balance personally, balance in, you know, how we, again, choosing our clients, finding that right mix. Yeah. So how did you figure out who your ideal client is? The ideal client for me is someone who is open to looking at things differently. I also talk a lot about curiosity, being curious, and the people that want to work with me as well will embrace my curiosity because I will ask a lot of questions. I'm not someone who will just say, okay, and do as I'm told. Now, that doesn't mean I'm like saying to my client, they have to do everything I say, but I need to work with people who will accept that I need to have you know, my information before I'm going to go running off working on a project. And this comes from experience because when I've done that, it usually ends up with a problem because what they are saying or what I think they're saying, if I don't ask enough questions, we're probably not going to end up with a good end product. So it's a bit of a joke at times about my penchant for asking questions. So those are the clients that will embrace that and will accept that I will push back as well. So I'm not someone who just says, okay, and meekly goes along. I have great discussions with clients and we have, uh, and there's some pushback on each side. So yeah, so finding clients that are open to uh, my style, shall we say. Mm -hmm. So so how do you pre-qualify prospects? That usually comes, you usually know early on when you're having those discussions, uh, when I'm asking those questions, it's almost like building any relationship, you know, as you're meeting a friend or you're connecting with someone, there is something that you just know by the questions they ask me. And that is part of that early discussions. It's a bit like hiring people as well. You know that, you know, you take a short time to fire and a long time to hire. And that hiring process involves clients from both sides, like in terms of my client talking to me and making sure I'm the right person and vice versa. So it comes from having those discussions and seeing, do you have common values? In any relationship, again, I go back to that. Do you have common values? Because if you don't have the same value system, it's probably not going to work. And that happens professionally and personally. You need to say, do we do we agree on certain basics of how we do things? Now, I'm known as a vault. It's, it's sort of a, a label that's been given to me and I've given it to myself as well. So I companies know if they tell me something, if I'm working on a project, it's not going to go beyond me. I learned that as a journalist, you have to make sure that you have built that uh, idea of, you know, trust in trust in that process as well. Mm. What kinds of questions do you ask to determine whether there's good alignment with your values? Most of the questions involve, you know, asking them about what their goals and objectives are. If they don't know some of those answers, it's probably going to be difficult for me to come in and help with the marketing side of things, because if it's almost like someone saying, hey, we're going on a trip and I come in and say, okay, I'm going to help you plan. And they're like, I don't know what we want to do. Well, we don't even know if we can afford to go on a trip. I don't know. Like if they don't have some key answers to where they want to go, probably I'm not going to be the right person because they first need to get that 
part of their business in place so that I can come along and help. So that's why I call myself a guide. I'm not even, I would say a coach. I said, I'm a guide. So you have to already know a little bit about where you're wanting to go and have some basic ideas in place, because then we're going to have the same value of you're going to welcome me to the table to be a guide and not be just someone that's going to be uh, given a, you know, a task list and you want me to go along and, and check off the task list. There has to be an idea of, am I part of the team as well? Mm -hmm. So what kinds of goals and objectives might somebody in your niche have that would be a good fit for you? Number one would be around, you know, what are their business and sales goals? Because what do they want to achieve? If Because if you're going to do social media uh, or they're going to do any type of marketing, what is it that you want to achieve? Do you want to get more customers? What kind of customers do you want? What are the types of business that you want to get into? Because if it's wide open and if someone says, well, we want to appeal, we want to sell to everyone, we're probably, again, not that's not going to be the right fit because if you know that saying, if you try to please everyone, you please no one. And that is so true when it comes to trying to sell or trying to market or create a website or create a social media messaging. You have to know what voice you want and how you're going to uh, appeal to to the audience. So when I'm sitting down with clients or prospects, those are the questions I ask. And it doesn't mean that they have to have all the answers right away, but are they have they done some of that lay work? And are they open? If need be, then I can often recommend someone. There's lots of people I know from my networking connections too that uh, specialize in certain areas. That's another key thing is that I'm I'm not you know not necessarily going to be the answer to fix everything for a client. So at times I'll recommend, okay, we need a specialist here to come in and help with SEO. We may need a specialist to help with. Uh, something once it gets beyond my abilities to do so. And I don't try to say that I can do it all. Uh, I'm very clear on what I can do. And then when do I need to go to experts to bring them in to help? Right. And manufacturing marketing is a pretty specific niche. Yes, it's very specific. And right now there are so many opportunities. I just actually did a a LinkedIn post today talking about that, about, you know, be curious, not judgmental. And manufacturing, there's so many opportunities. And when you are curious and when you can look around corners and look at, you know, what are some other ways we can look at doing business? That's when doors start opening. And when you get away from just saying that there's only one way of doing things, only one way of looking at, you know, even particular clients that you're trying to reach out to and start doing some research. Now, a lot of this comes with hard work. It's not just like, oh, we're just going to go expand into a new area. One thing I've learned about, you know, I work in mold making. So I often go to the company that I work, one of the companies I work with, and I'll ask like, oh, what about this as an opportunity? No, it's not the right, you know, they build a different size tool. Okay. That makes sense. So it's about, you know, again, asking questions. I try not to assume things and then as I'm working with a client in, in mold making, I do a lot of reading and research. I read a lot of trade publications because I need to get my head around the manufacturing side of things. And then when I'm working with the salespeople or clients, I just ask them, say, you're the experts in that area. So help teach me that. And I'll help teach you marketing and social media. And then when you blend the two together, that's where, as I said, that's where the magic happens. Yeah, sounds like it. Gail, how long did it take you to feel that your consulting business was sustainable? 
I was also very lucky because I got that head start from my last company. So I knew in the first, like probably in the first few months that when I was getting busier and busier, that it was going to be a win for me that I had enough uh, contacts as well. That leads me into the benefit of networking, the benefit of reaching out and connecting with people and not just people in your own area of expertise. It's really important to connect with people without an idea of how they can help you or you can help them necessarily as well. Like look at not what you can get from it, but what can you maybe offer if you're you know, showing up at a networking group or, or connecting with someone and what can you learn from them? And then what happens is all of a sudden doors will open. That's happened to me in manufacturing. I've sat in on many of manufacturing network event where I'm like, I have no idea sometimes what they're talking about. But the longer I'm there, I'm learning. And then people have welcomed me. It's been an amazing journey, the people that have helped open doors. So for anyone listening and wants to know like, hey, like, I don't know if I can sustain it, sustain a business. I strongly recommend that you get out and do more networking and and ask for help. I've asked for help many a time and people are more than willing to help you. Yeah, that is for sure. What's your dream for your business? Where would you like it to go? My dream is to do travel eventually and do uh, keynote speaking and talks in the manufacturing world and bring my different approach to looking at things. Uh, my, I have a three-step process that I talk about called sign up, suit up, and show up and using curiosity as the tool that will help you, you know, move your sales and, you know, improve how you're doing things in the new virtual world. Because even after COVID is gone, we're still going to be competing now at a whole different level and manufacturing. I say this and I I mean this in the best way possible that the bar is set pretty low right now when it comes to marketing. So there's so much opportunity to, for manufacturers to step up and definitely show up and, you know, expand what they're doing in the virtual world. And they need to tell their stories because of my background in journalism. I really want to encourage more manufacturers to see uh, my vision for them, which is sharing the stories that uh, need to see the light of day. That sounds great. Well, Gail, we've covered a lot of ground about um, your own background, how you've gone from a long stretch as an employee in, in one company to build a consulting business fairly quickly and successfully. If someone wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed today or tap into your expertise in your niche, where would be the best place for them to go get some resources or get in touch with you? Well, there is my website, which is gailnow.com. My brand is gailnow. So that is across all platforms. I'm fairly visible on most of them. I've actually, uh, Twitter is probably my favorite platform that I use most actively. And if you really want to get to know a bit more about me, yeah, check out my Twitter account. Uh, I'm also on Instagram, gailnow1, long story, but Gail now wasn't available. So <laughs> it's one of those Instagram glitches. Uh, also on LinkedIn is Gail Robertson and uh, even dabbling a bit in TikTok just for fun. I, I actually am working on a, a bit of a, a fun side plan uh, to use TikTok. But here's the thing about my curiosity side is that, you know, doing these things and, and jumping into new new platforms really helps keep me uh, sharp as well and, and learning about you know, how to use video to a much greater extent as well. Yeah, 
Sounds good. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. My guest today has been the Chief Curiosity Officer of Gale Now, Gail Robertson. Thank you again, Gail, for joining us. Thank you, David. When you visit the Going Solo website, you'll find a summary of each episode, along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned how to use curiosity to build your business and much more. I believe everyone should have the opportunity to do what they love and get paid what they're worth. On my podcast, I've interviewed hundreds of successful entrepreneurs, many of whom run consulting or coaching businesses. And we've created a free ebook with 49 actionable steps from 49 of our popular episodes to help you smash the plateau in your business and in your life. It includes tips to help you with your mindset, relationships, business development, and productivity. You can get your copy of 49 Tips to Smash Your Plateau at smashingtheplateau.com slash tips. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash tips. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.